Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 147 of Parenting in Real Life. Today, we're going to be talking about the book, The Coddling of the American Mind. I read it, and Alexis heard about it. <laughs> this never happens. Usually, Alexis reads everything, and I hear about it. So, the book talks about how these two authors have seen a trend, in particularly in colleges, we're not going to focus on the college part because we have small kids, but they give tips how to keep your kids mentally strong so that they don't become part of this coddled generation that can't handle anything. So stick around. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy and sometimes we think they might be right, but most of the time we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. All right, before we get to our conversation about the book that Alan read, listened to. Technically listened to. <laughs> yeah, listened to. We wanted to share our parenting real life moment. This just happened yesterday and it was great. So I was feeling a little bit down because long story short, I was, <laughs> I took piano lessons as a kid for a couple of years. I feel like I'm okay. I haven't played for a long time. Anyway, Chloe's playing the violin and they want someone to accompany her. It was her recital piece. And so I did it for her first one with a very simple piece, and I did pretty good, and I felt pretty good about it. And so they asked if I could do it again, and I said, sure, and this piece was much harder. Lots of sharps and stuff, and I spent hours working on this piece this week, and I went to perform, and I blew it. I totally just <laughs> blew it. And I had to, like... And when you're accompanying, you know, you can't go back because she's still going, and so I would just have to, like, stop think about like, where am I? Keep going. Anyway, it was just not good. And I just felt bad because I just really wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it for her, you know, and she played great though. And it was about her. So at least it was that. But anyway, I was just feeling really bad about my performance. And so Alan's like, why don't you sit down and read your book? And he's like, we'll go make cookies because that'll make everyone feel better. And the boys were super sweet and were giving me hugs and bringing me things. But the hilarious part was Lucy because she <laughs> gave me hugs too and stuff. And she just wanted to sit by me and she's like, read me a book. So I was like, okay. So I read her a book and, and then finally Jack got her to get to go downstairs and they watched Bluey for a few minutes and then and made the cookies. And then she comes back up with everyone they bring me cookies and she sees me sitting there and jack's like hey let's give mom some space and then she looks at me and she's like but it's not her birthday it's just a regular day it's fine and so because we do this for birthdays and especially mother's day so yeah. when it's a special day alexis gets breakfast in bed and lucy gets that like okay yeah. it's mom's day we're gonna give her this special day but she was putting together like the oh you can have special days any day. <laughs> so she goes and grabs her own little chair, brings it in, puts it right next to mine. She has her stuffies and a blanket. She brings a book <laughs> with her. She asks Alan, she's like, "Bring me, can you bring me my water? And I want to eat my cookie right here. And so she's just sitting there pretending to read and look at pictures and she's eating her cookie. <laughs> It was just so funny because she's just like totally like, if mom's going to do it, then I'm going to do it. It was 
like the introduction to self care for a five year old, and she was changed. She was loving it. She was changed forever. She loved it. <laughs> so we'll see how often this like me time for Lucy happens, where yeah. she realizes like, oh, I can get special I need treatment. Some cookies and anytime. water in my room, please. <laughs> Which leads perfectly into our topic of the coddled American mind. <laughs> so I highly recommend it. I think you should go read it. We are a short podcast for parents, and so I'm not going to get into all of it. But basically, they're finding that on college campuses, they were historically a place where people would come and they would have active disagreements because you have all these different perspectives and people come and they they fight it out. And, you know, you talk about it in intellectual ways because that's what a college is, right? These They're these schools of thought. But they found that you can kind of draw like a hard line. I can't remember the exact year. I think it's 2018 or something like that. But you can see this change happening where all of a sudden colleges went from this place where free speech and free thought are welcome. As long as you know, you're doing it in an educated way to a place where free speech was just getting shut down, where students were throwing a fit whenever somebody came to the campus that was going to present something that they didn't feel comfortable with, or when a professor would say something that they didn't feel comfortable with. And the verbiage changed, right? It's not like I don't, I disagree with them. It's I feel attacked when they say these things. And anyway, hopefully that's enough to get you to read the book. Cause I think that's good. But basically they found the reason why this is happening is because the way we're raising our kids, we are raising them so that college is the first time that they have to deal with hard things. And they have found three falsehoods that are pervading our college campuses. The first is that what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. The second falsehood is always trust your feelings. And the third is life is a battle between good people and evil people. So those are things that are widely believed by people all over, but especially on college campuses. So they teach how we can help raise our kids differently so that they don't become victims to this. And so... They have a page, and we will share the link in the show notes, called Wiser Kids, and they have resources for parents. So the first falsehood, or untruth as they say, is what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. So this is the idea that we need to protect our kids, because if they get sick, or if they get emotionally harmed, if somebody disagrees with them, or a teacher says that they're not working hard, or whatever, right? As we put these barriers around our kids and protect them from everything, we are now making them believe that they're fragile. And if they are exposed to scary things, then they could break. And that's wrong, right? And I feel like we're seeing examples of this all the time, right? With the sickness thing. And this was pre-pandemic. I feel like pandemic has definitely skewed how our thoughts on illness and stuff. But pre-pandemic, I remember seeing people just like, always the hand sanitizer. Their kids couldn't be around other sick kids ever, you know, and they're like, you have to keep them so that they never get sick, right? right? That's actually harming them because when they do get sick, because we all get sick, it's harder for them to handle. It's worse, right? And it's right. just they're like something they haven't experienced frequently. And also we see like parents going in and talking to their teachers for their kids and fighting for grades and stuff in behalf of their children rather than having the kids be part of the conversation or having the kids do it themselves. Yeah. Right. The example they give in the book is about of peanut allergies. You can see that peanut allergies spiked because 
people said, oh, your kid could have a peanut allergy. Protect them from peanuts. And so we took peanuts out of kids' lives. And they did a study. Not these guys. But there was a study done. And they took two groups of babies, all of which had like a predisposition towards a peanut allergy. And I don't know how they picked that. But they, they said, these kids we think could have a peanut allergy. One of the groups, they said, feed your kid peanuts all you want. In fact, I think they said, feed them in every day. And the other group, they said, keep your kids away from peanuts. And they were like 80% more likely to develop a peanut allergy if they were never exposed. And they said the same thing's happening in all of these different cases. We think we have to protect our kids. So the first tip that they give for parents, and I love this, is they say, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. I think that kind of stands alone and is just like a good truth that I need to remember as a parent. I can't or shouldn't try and adjust the road. Life is what it is. And I shouldn't try and protect my kids from hard things because that's going to hurt them. And so they say, assume that your kids are more capable this month than they were last month. Assume that your kids are getting better and stronger and smarter and all those things. And that can be so hard because you can't actually see that. Right. As you're raising your kids, you're like, oh, we keep doing the same things over and over again. Or they keep having this problem or whatever. And so assumption. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I do really like that. Like if you just it's that's a mindset shift. Right. If you just tell yourself that your kid is better than they were before, I think that's going to help you see them in a different light. Right. And see their potential more than like what they have been. Yep. They say, let your kids take more small risks and let them learn from getting some bumps and bruises. I love that. And I we've talked about that before because I remember we, we've talked about like when Lucy was wanted to swim by herself, but I knew she couldn't, but I let her experience what it was going to be like in a controlled environment, right? I was like, let them have these little bumps and bruises in a controlled environment so they can kind of see like, oh, this is good. This is not good. But you, you're still watching them, but you're letting them experience it rather than saying, no, don't do this. And they don't get to experience it at yeah. all. And I definitely, we all feel the urge, but I think our generation feels it on a different level to like, ah, keep them safe. And now for a quick break. Do you feel like an anxious parent? Do you want to feel more calm or sleep better? Or maybe you just want to get to know yourself better. One way to do that is through meditation. Meditation has been proven to lower stress, reduce anxiety, and improve self-awareness. A meditation podcast that I really enjoyed is the Morning Meditation for Women podcast. I absolutely loved a recent episode about spreading your light and the light of others. It just helped me feel positive about what I'm able to do and what others around me can do too. I especially needed this as it's so cold here in Utah and I could just imagine the light and warmth of the sun. It really does make a difference. So visit womensmeditationnetwork.com or search for Morning Meditation for Women on your favorite podcast app. We recently did a podcast episode with Emily Hamblin, and that was the one all about having more fun in your parenting, if you listen to that one. And she just recently put together a membership program. It's called Confidently Momming Kids with Big Emotions. And I have a promo code for you to sign up for her membership to get 50% off your first month, and then it's only $29 a month. So you can join in March for just $14.50. But this promo code only lasts through the month of March. So make sure you use real life to get that 50% off your first month. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. But if you have kids with big emotions, I definitely have that. Then you are definitely going to want to check out Emily's membership program so you can learn how to be more confident in parenting that type of child. And I heard a, a funny reel this dad was talking about how just think about how hard parenting is. You literally have to try and keep somebody alive all day, every day. And he was making it funny. But it's like, 
People were not talking about that. We talk about our kids like they are on the verge of death all the time. And that's just not true, right? Kids are pretty stinking tough. They can take a lot of falls before they die. And I think sometimes we talk about like they're going to die. And I always think too, like the modern world that we live in is so much more protected than it's ever been, right? We have better medication than we've ever had. So when kids get sick, we have just better set up environments where kids are less likely to get hurt, you know, but we still feel like this anxiousness of trying to keep our kids extra safe. And I've even felt this. They said every study you can find in almost every place in America shows that America has never been safer for kids. And yet I feel like as a parent, what I've been taught subliminally is it's never been less safe for your kid. Yeah. If you let your kid be outside in the front yard by themselves, they're almost guaranteed to be kidnapped. That's the messaging we're getting because social media and whatever and all these stories get hyped up in a way that they wouldn't have in the past because we can now. And so we as parents believe that it's so much less safe for our kids nowadays. And the fact is it's never been more safe. That doesn't mean there's no risk. And that doesn't mean, I mean, I think they're, they're good at saying like, you need to be careful, but don't be overly careful because we're probably doing a lot more damage to them by being so careful than we would, you know, if you're weighing those two risks, you're doing, you're doing more harm than good. They talk about the free range kids movement and they talked about some interesting laws. I don't know about these laws, but they said, in a lot of places, if you find a kid out in the neighborhood alone and report it to the cops, they can arrest the parents. And that's crazy. So they actually have like something you can print off and have your kid carry around. But it says, my name is, and you have your kid write in their name, and my parents trying to help me learn and grow by exploring my neighborhood. And they know where I am and I know how to get home. Like it basically says like, lay off me, we're fine. But if you are nervous, you can call my parents or whatever. And I think that's sad that we have to do that, but we should do that. They also say just some other, they talk about letsgrow.org. You can go there. They say, encourage your kids to walk or ride their bicycle to school as soon as they're possible. Now we're pretty far away, so I don't know that we're going to do that, but we probably could. I prefer our kids would get lost. There are so many twists and turns. It is amazing to get to our school. So I prefer the bus. But, but that's because we don't think our kids are as capable as they are. <laughs> But Seriously, they do walk though, to the bus stop. By they themselves. could figure it out. I took 16 turns to get to the school and I walked up a massive hill on the way home. So I think they could do it. E anyway, the point is let them get out. School and is a great way you can do that. They said for sure, get them a smartwatch or something so that you can still contact them and know where they are and know that they got to school safe. It doesn't mean you have to like just totally cut the cord and let them run wild like feral kids. But there's things you can do so that they can learn those skills and feel capable and safe and, and competent. Our thing is, and this is honestly hard for me, is we let our kids go two blocks away to the convenience store and buy treats all the time. And I still feel nervous every time. But I'm trying to like hide my nervousness and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you go. It's fine. But they do take... Well, the oldest four have either a watch, a smart watch or a phone. And so we say, take your watch or take your phone with you. And so that they know, so we can get a hold of them. They all have tracking systems so we can still watch them, but allow them to have some freedom. And I do ask yeah. them to tell me when they're going to be home. Yeah. Cause I don't, it's cool that they want to go and I want them to go, but I want to also know when they're going to be home. But I do think that it's interesting that this is typically an American problem, right? Because I think we may have mentioned this before. There's like some documentary on, is it on Netflix or something? 
where they will send, I think it's the Japanese culture and they'll send oh, it's on Apple TV, Apple TV. So they'll send like these three or four year olds to go to the grocery store by themselves all by themselves and then come back. And I am just like, how could you It's like this coming of age thing where it's like they all live in these busy cities and they're crossing crazy roads, going under railroad track. Like it is, it makes you feel embarrassed to be an American. Well, that makes me feel stressed. I'm like, oof, that's young. But if we can't even let our 10 year olds walk two blocks to a convenience store, you know, yeah. and while these young children and other cultures are doing. Like the family grocery shopping. Right. At three or something. So it just is to show like, I mean, our culture is a lot different than other cultures, but this seems to be a very American problem. They say send your kids to an overnight camp. They say for a few weeks, and they say without devices. I like some of those things. I don't even know <laughs> if you can like, pay for week long camps. But <laughs> I feel um, like that's more like an East Coast thing. We live on the West side of the United States, and that, that doesn't really exist. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds fun. They say encourage them to engage in productive disagreement. They have a uh, essay. For, by Adam Grant about that and then get a lot of exercise. So I think the one thing we do really well is we kind of have like an open neighborhood and all of us parents without saying anything have just agreed that our kids are going to kind of run amok through our neighborhoods and that's great. And I, I they talk about how important that is to have play dates without parents. Play dates is like, that's a modern term. Parents didn't have play dates before. Because the play date implies that the parent is involved, right? Mm -hmm. Before it was just like, you go and play with your friends. Mm -hmm. You don't have a play date where mom and Yeah, play date is scheduled come. and the parents are yeah, involved. Yeah, it's like, no. I'm just going to like drop my backpack and be like, mom, I'm going to Jordan's. And then I went to Jordan's. And then I came home at a known time and that was it. Whew. We are going long. Maybe we need to make this into a two-part series. So let's just finish this. I wanted to talk about an article. So if we can finish here. We'll do a part two next week. And we'll finish with these other two points. So, <laughs> so, so I recently saw an article that there is new research done about this very same thing. And it, it's titled what's behind the decline in teen mental health. And it's on parent data. So we'll leave that in the show notes as well. But it was really interesting because they've been tracking kids and they said that 40% of high school students said that during the previous year, they had experienced sadness severe enough that it affected their normal abilities, right? It's more than just being sad. Like it's physically making it so they can't participate. And so the research they've been looking back and then they said this started happening around 2012 is what they're finding. And so there's a lot of different things, phones, this is pre-pandemic, so pandemic made it worse, but definitely screen time is involved. So this news research says that our thesis is that a primary cause of the rise in mental disorders is a decline over decades in opportunities for children and teens to play, roam, and engage in other activities independent of direct oversight and control by adults. And so this is just exactly what we were talking about, right? Like our kids don't have as much opportunity just to go and play and have fun. And then also... Part of that is that as a parents, we're not giving our kids responsibilities to help them feel like they're in charge of something without us enforcing it or being on top of them, right? Like, and so that's something that also we need to work on is giving our kids things that they need to be responsible for and then let them do it. Let them write it down. Let them keep track of it and stuff. But let we, them fail. Yeah. Let them and let them fail. But they have to be the ones to do it. And so they've just talked about how independence has declined over the last like decade, two decades, and just how that's affecting the mental health of our kids, especially our teenagers. And we just need to give them a little bit more space, which is hard because we feel like 
like we were just talking about, like there's just so much bombarding them all the time that we want to protect them, but they need to be able to experience this, especially I, and as we think while they're still in our homes. And so we can help them through it and teach them so that when they, we, when they move out and they're adults, that they are able to handle it on their own. Yeah. I think this is an enabling book. It definitely made me feel like it's okay. Sometimes I feel like, man, am I the bad parent? Cause I don't, my kids aren't in structured activities 24 hours a day, or I sometimes let my kids run around the neighborhood or do whatever. And this made me feel like I need to be doing a lot more of that. I still feel pretty nervous and I'm gifting them that nervousness, that anxiety that who knows what could happen. I need to believe that my kids can have a lot happen to them and be okay. And so we will bring it with part two next week. See you then. Thanks everyone for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Parenting IRL Podcast or find us on our website at parentinginreallife.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.